0: Ramble. Hello, I am Flula Borg and this is Boom Time. Hello, everyone. It's me, Flula Borg, with our director Alex Simmons of Boomtime. Hello, Alex. How are you? I'm great, man. How are you doing? I'm so very great. I'm excited because today we speak with a man who is from your state, Idaho, and also can run very fast, just like me in the third grade. <laughs> Were you an especially fast third grader in Germany? I had a sport. Yeah. So, like, a was you say growth sport? Yeah. Yeah. I had this in third grade two, Very slow. Grade three, super fast. Grade
1: four, average. What was your event?
0: Uh, just uh, sprinting to the snack
1: uh, snack shack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and to get what snack? What was your, go- what was your gold medal of snacks? The, the Americans called it seaweed gummies, which is gummies that
0: are shaped like a tapeworm. But uh, oh, no, sorry, that sounds terrible. Uh, you know, like you like have tapes that you roll up, but it's gummy, bärchen, gummy, bear, gummy bear tape and it is having a, a sour sugar on it.
1: And you would sprint oh, to that
0: so fast. And what is crazy is no one liked this uh, tapeworm uh, gummi beer. Everybody, I liked, can't imagine why. Well, everybody liked the Schlümpfen, the of course, which are Smurfs, and they had Smurfy-shaped gummies. And if you ate those, you can just <laughs> smell the cavities arriving. So I was like, I don't want Papa Smurf in my mouth. I want some tapeworm.
1: So I would sprint to this. So today we're talking to Nick Simmons, six-time. National champion in the 800 meters. Stop the presses. Two-time Olympian. He finished fifth at the 2012 London Olympics, where he ran his personal best. He ran twice around the track just to... To make it break it down in easy sense, in, which is weird because everyone else only ran once around the track, right? And he still did it in fifth. a minute forty two point nine five seconds.
0: You are the of in the world of humans. You are the fifth most fast person around the track. That right. is a crazy thing to me.
1: And on top of all that, he's from my home state of Idaho, and he went to my tiny tiny school in Oregon, Willamette University. And so, just Nick essentially came out of nowhere. To become a world class athlete. And so it'll be fun to talk to him about um, how that happened, what it's like to be an underdog. And uh, I think uh, one of the cool things that he can talk about is how do you train your entire life for the Olympics? And then you've got all this pressure on you. It's the most important thing you've ever done. And it all comes down to a minute and 40 seconds. And how do you then relax and just let you take training take over and, and not freak out, because that's what I would do. Would oh, you freak out if you were in the Olympics? I, I would freak, would
0: freak out. out so hard. I would stare at all of the flags, and I would be <laughs> like, oh, these are nice. Nice jersey. What is your shoe? So And a bang goes the gun, and I'm still staring at socks. I want to tell you something, Alex. Yes, all of this is true. Yes. But Nick has many facets. Facets? How do you say it? <laughs> facets. Yeah, just like a diamond. He is not just a man who runs fast. He's also participated, and we will speak about this something called the beer mile. I'm very
1: excited to speak with Nick about this. Let's not spoil, but I just want to do little teas, little sprinkle teas. Yeah, we won't spoil it, but Nick is also a world class beer miler. Yes. Which you'll hear all about. Now, before we begin, Alex, I think we have some things to introduce. I'm going to give you the word of the day. Oh, I like it. And you're going, I don't even know who said that. It's the... You did just now. Well, I was pretending like I didn't. Oh, so okay. So anyways, it's the word of the day. Okay. Why are you saying it like this? Uh, I, I'm not saying it. It's a very professional announcer who's saying it. Oh, wow. Cool. I'm the announcer and I'm saying the word of the day. Alex, it's just you. It's it, not me. Okay. Uh, okay. Steve, go ahead and you can say that again. Oh, so today's word of the day, Flula, so who's Steve? is... That's my coffee name, Steve. Do you... Flula, do you want to hear the word of the day or not? It's very
0: creepy. Your face changes. (laughs) When you say this voice, your face is a metamorphing. You look like like Richard
1: Dean Anderson. You're looking at Steve, the announcer. I'm over here. Steve's over here. So I'm not sure if you can understand the difference.
0: You're just holding up your hands and pointing to... So today's word
1: of the day is... Yeah? Gallop. Gallop? Gallop. I must say this. You must say this word as many times as possible... Okay, I'm going naturally to... Naturally in conversation. Oh, easy. <laughs> easy, breezy, beautiful. It's running related, so I thought it wouldn't be that difficult. But let's oh, see yeah. let's see what happens. I agree with this. Should we bring on Nick Simmons coming all the way from Eugene, Oregon, which is Tracktown, USA? Oh, I like it. Town. It's the mecca of track in America. That's oh. where Nick lives and runs his company, and that's where he's calling in from. And uh, let's talk to him, right? I like it. Let's dial him in now. Ding-bang-boop-boop-boop-boop. Boop, boop, boop. That's the sound of a phone it was like a german modem in 1997 that's a
0: 1992 56k modem uh, manufactured in düsseldorf boom time nick simmons boom time nick simmons and alex simmons as well this is the first time i've spoken with two simmonses at the same time i'm very confused it's like (laughs) when the ghostbusters are crossing streams is this allowed
1: (laughs) that's awesome it's allowed Oh, good. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Alex, say hello as well. Yeah, Nick, uh, it's great to meet you, and uh, I've been a fan of your work for a long time, especially since we were both from Idaho. We both went to tiny, tiny Willamette University, and we, oh, both, yeah. we both have the same name, even though they're spelled differently. Well, there you go. Which high school did you go to? I went to Moscow High School in Northern oh, yeah. Idaho. Oh, yeah. All right. How did you like your time at Willamette? Um, yeah, it, it, to be honest, I, it was so small that I always kind of wondered what it would have been like to go to a bigger school.
2: I feel the exact same way. I loved my freshman year, and then I really disliked sophomore through senior year.
0: Ouch, that's a 25% batting average, Nick. i, I feel <laughs> sad not, for It's you. not great. I should have transferred. Oh, no. Well, so, Nick, I have a question for you. Uh, Yeah. When I, like, in my mind, uh, mentally Google fast running athletes from Idaho, I return (laughs) one result, which is yours. And then, oddly, Alex Simmons, I think, is the third fastest person from Idaho. So there we go. It's a pretty small state. Yeah. Is it? Why is this? Why are there not more people that are just fast like roadrunners from your delicious state? Clearly,
2: you'll like this. I spent a lot of time in, in um, southern Germany. Imagine coming from Garmisch. What? How many runners Garmisch put, uh, puts out? That's what Idaho is, or that's what Boise is.
0: Nick, just a spoils alert. I used to work in Garmisch-Partenkirchen uh, in a campground. I would, Seriously? Uh, yes, well, very I, serious.
2: So my girlfriend's family's from Munich, and we went down to Garmisch, and I just I fell in love with it. Absolutely beautiful.
0: Is it not so? Did you go and walk the Gorge, the Patnachklamm? It's so pretty. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but we did go up to the. And I'm going to mess it up. But the
0: Zugspitze, yeah, the Zugspitze, of course, Zugspitze, Germany's yeah. most tall mountain, and of course, how fitting, it's where the 1936 Winter Olympics were. There we go. I love this. So wait, your your lady friend is from Munich.
2: She, so her family's from Munich. Yeah, they're they're Bavarian, and then her her, her so her grandfather was a was a uh, soldier in the army, and then ended up coming to America in the the. 40s or 50s.
0: I would like you to know, as soon as you said coming to America, I picture a German man dressed like Eddie Murphy with a German (laughs) Orsino Hall. I think think I have a picture of that, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I love this. This is so great. So you go to Germany, and of course, I would say it's your favorite country in history. Uh, You know what? When (laughs) I used to
2: compete around the world, I loved going to Germany because everything was so clean and on time and the food was great. So I have a lot, a lot of fond memories of Germany.
0: I love this so very much. This is very exciting to me. And I must tell you, the reason I know about you is because of our director, Alex Simmons. And he has a friend who is a very crazy running man and said, listen, you will not believe this, but there is a very fast human person that goes to your school and is from your state. And everyone was amazed. (laughs) There's not a lot of us coming out of Idaho
2: and even fewer coming from Willamette. So Alex, I appreciate it.
1: Well, yeah, and I just think it, it's a testament to the odds that have been stacked against you from the beginning. There just aren't that many Olympic athletes, just in general, that come out of Idaho, let alone in track and field. So the the question to you is, has that motivated you? Do you think that helped being, you know, always the underdog? And I think, it's you know, Flew and I were going back and watching some of your races today, and your running style is amazing. And so exciting to watch because you often fall way back in the, in the back. You're one of the last guys in the pack. And then when it just seems like impossible, there, there's no more time left, you put in the famous kick. Um, so I think that also is like a good metaphor for being an underdog, being coming out of nowhere. So, yeah, I guess the big question is, has being um, written off and, and coming from such a small place inspired you uh, in your career? Yeah,
2: you know, <clears throat> coming from Idaho, I, I liked the underdog story. I liked being this no-name short stocky kid from Boise, Idaho that no one no one gave a chance to and I kind of always had a chip on my shoulder and I wanted to prove everyone wrong. So I think I, that that certainly fueled me when I was younger and then uh, and took some of the pressure off when I became a pro. No one really expected me to do a whole lot. And so every time I stepped on the line was this opportunity to prove them wrong and and go out and win and I just I was just such a, you know, angry, not angry, but just like determined and frustrated, you know, young Nick Simmons. I wanted to kick butt on the track and prove everyone wrong. And, um, I did, I got pretty far. I ended up being ranked number two in the world, made two Olympic teams, uh, won a world silver medal. So it was a good career. I'm, I'm proud of the career and, uh, retired now, but, but look back on that pretty fondly
0: when i have a question for you nick you mentioned chips on shoulders and this has always very much confused me when you do you imagine a chip is it a pringle what is on your (laughs) shoulder as you are being driving to be a very yeah you
2: want just some big dirty pringle sitting on your shoulder just pissing you off i was just uh you know i just i had i had a coach in college i didn't like that much and I had, uh, I had all these people back in Boise that didn't believe in me. A lot of college coaches that said, you know, I'd be lucky to walk onto their team. So for me, that chip, that chip on my shoulder was just me trying to prove everybody that they were wrong about me. And, uh, you know, running and professional athletics in general is very ego-driven. And I was really trying to feed my ego back then. And, and <laughs> running
0: fast allowed me to do that. I love this very much. Uh, so, Nick, you, your speciality was the 800 meters is this correct? That's correct. And, so, yeah, yeah. and this is is this is two laps around uh, the normal tracky place. Is this correct? Yeah, Flula,
2: you actually know what a meter is. Here in America, we we talk yards, so it's close to eight hundred eighty yards. It's about half a mile.
0: Ah, yes. I prefer. I would just tell you, I prefer meters because I like being able to move decimal points and saying yeah. th- cool things like centimeter, decimeter, hectometer. These are fun when they all work. They all work together. I
2: think it's three countries in the world that don't use uh, that don't use metric, and it's like Myanmar.
0: Uh, Liberia and the United States. Listen, Nick, that's good company. Let's be honest. It's great company. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so I must tell you a very uh, strange thing. So your, your discipline, the 800 meters, my father was at the 1972 Olympics in, Münch, in Munich. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, he went to see some Mark Spitz swimmy times. And he also told me about a very crazy run that is your discipline. And as a child... I There was footage of this, and you know this, I imagine, Dave Waddle. Do you know this? Of course. This? We watched yeah. this again. Man, Nick, it is insanity, this man with a dorky hat. Um, <laughs> he does have a dorky hat. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about this? Because he's also in your discipline. Well, and he runs, he
2: runs like I do, you know, a kind of a, a short, shorter, stocky white guy that waddles around the track and his name's Dave Waddle. So that's appropriate, perfect. but he wore this dorky hat. And in the race, you know, he was, he, he run really even, even splits. And in the race, he's so far in last place that the announcers actually, actually say, Oh, it looks like Dave Waddle's injured. And, and he comes, he's out outside of the shot. You can't even see him. And then in the second lap, he just keeps going and, and turns on these the afterburners and he ends up Kicking every single person and winning the Olympic gold medal. This is a, after the announcers said they thought he was injured. Um, so if you haven't seen it, you got to go to YouTube and type in Dave Waddle, 1972 Olympics. It's, it's one of the most jaw-dropping performances you'll ever see in Olympic running.
0: What is crazy to me is that, you know, as Alex was saying, your style is not so crazy in terms of going and then turning on these jets and then eating the Pringle on your shoulder and going very fast. <laughs> is this a coincidence?
2: You know, I think you got to play the cards you're dealt. If I was a uh, six foot three East African Maasai warrior that could run a 44 second, you know, 400 meter split, then I probably would go out and lead from the front like David Rudisha does. If you're a short, stocky white kid from Idaho that can barely break 48 seconds for 400, you have to run even splits. So it looks like I'm just turning on the afterburners, but I'm really actually slowing down, just not, not as bad as everybody else. So um, it ends up being closer to even splits the way that I run it or the way that Dave Waddle runs it.
0: I love this. Uh, so uh, as soon as you say Maasai warrior, I immediately think, well, yeah, then you would just try to be cast in Black Panther and try to <laughs> build, yeah, build exactly. cool running shoes from Vibranium. This would be the move. Uh, yeah, I, did, I, I didn't get, to, you know, I auditioned for Black Panther. I didn't get cast for some reason. I am shocked. I'm confused, to be <laughs> honest with you. Uh, so, Nick, in addition to having these very wonderful um a success is in, I would say, normal conventional sports. You have also competed in what I understand is called the Beer Mile. Is this true? Yeah, and it's perfect
2: because it's Oktoberfest. So let's talk beer. Oh, let's uh, do it. The, uh, the the Beer Mile is where you chug a 12-ounce beer, run a lap, and you do it four times. So at the end of the race, you've drank four beers and run four laps. You try to do it as fast as you can. And my best was five minutes and 19 seconds. So four beers and a full mile in five minutes and 19 seconds. And
0: if you puke, you get disqualified. Oh. So you got to keep it down as well. This was my question. Do do people do like a secret vomit? Like, oh, I have a little bag in my shirt. I'm coughing. <laughs> but really, I'm puking.
2: No, but a lot of times you'll see people with vomit just all down their chest. It's a pretty, pretty gnarly event. It's uh, it's very painful. But the cool thing is, you, you know, you can't get drunk in five minutes. You know, you, even if you have four beers, you have all this adrenaline from the race and then you have four beers in your stomach that's absorbing you know pretty quickly and as the adrenaline goes down the alcohol in your blood goes up and so you get you get pretty buzzed pretty quick
0: is there uh, okay so let us assume we are running it and then I make a little uh, chunking of buckets uh, which is <laughs> yeah. do, and but and it's all on my shirt do most people just say screw it I'm going to the bar or do people finish just to say no uh, yes I've omitted every place but I must finish my beer mile.
2: They always they always finish, and more often than not, it's like you, people finish, and then they just get on their hands and knees and start throwing up everywhere. I always thought that was, you know, waste of beer. So I've actually never vomited from a beer mile before. Um, but you'll see a lot of people that just finish, and they have vomit all over them, and, and it's not pretty. But
1: I, what, yeah, well, what's what's crazy, though, is the beer mile has actually become a thing. For a long time, it was just something that runners or, like, frat guys, I would say, just kind of did as a a gag or a dare. But now... It's become, there's like, the world championships are televised. Yeah. People, there's a couple guys who are running, like... Professionally, like, on pro
2: contracts for beer miling.
0: Who are the sponsors? Are there beer sponsors for the beer mile
2: runners? Yeah, usually you'll get, you know, a gear sponsor. Like, I know Brooks gave out a contract or two, and... I think Adidas did as well, or or Under Armour did. But um, then sometimes beer beer companies will sponsor an event too. So like I I did that World Championships of Beer Miling down in Austin for Flow Track, and they had a beer company sponsor the event that had made kind of like an IPA. It was very hoppy beer that didn't go down real well. Oh my god, that sounds like yeah, it's not what you want to drink. Nowadays, the really elite beer milers they'll drink Bud Platinum because (laughs) there's a couple there's a couple specifications The, the. ABV in the bu- in the beer has to be over 5% okay. and it has to come from an unmodified can or bottle. So Bud Platinum, at, I think it's 50 in a bottle is the way to drink the beer the fastest. I think if you tip it just right, you can get that beer out in about 5 seconds.
1: Right because cuz you you not only have to be able to run fast, you yeah. have to be able to chug, chug a beer fast. very
2: fast. I mean, honestly, you have to be a great runner, no doubt about that. But the what separates the great runners into great beer milers is who can drink the beers the fastest. So if you're a guy that can drink you know, each one of your beers in five to eight seconds. So you're going to set yourself apart. I mean, I'm a 356 miler and I get my butt kicked by people who can just out drink me, you know, and, and drink drink their beers a lot quicker. Even though I'm the better miler on paper, most of the difference comes from from being able to chug the beer.
0: So wait, Nick, uh, how uh, do people say, hey, you spilled some of your liquid beers, you're disqualified. How do they know that you have consumed enough of the delicious liquids? Good question. You should be writing the rules for these things. So <laughs> listen, I'm sure I done, can't help it.
2: Once you're done, they take all of your beers and they pour it into a shot glass. And if anything's left over um, that goes into that shot glass, if it overfills the shot glass, you get disqualified. So uh, they are definitely monitoring to make sure you've drank in your beers. Do you go beers, uh, bottles or cans? I I like cans personally, but bottles have been proven to be uh, to be able to pour out faster if you hit the angle just right. But I think we should get some mosses lined up at Oktoberfest and do it with four mosses and see if anyone can can survive.
0: Oh, I can tell you right now, I I smell lots of hospital visits. <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely, even without even without the beer mile, a lot of people at Oktoberfest are finding their way to the hospital. I'm actually going to a little town. Called Leavenworth, Washington. That's like a little Bavarian village for an Oktoberfest party next weekend. Will you be running
0: but the beer kilometer in this case? Since it's
2: it probably should be, but no, I think I'm just going to sit down and drink beer from about eight in the morning until eight p.m.
0: I love this as a as an exercise. It's good. It's good practice. Absolutely. You're invited, Flula, if you want to join me. Nick, thank you very much. I have a, a I have a real Lederhosen and also I have Lederhosen that are actually swimmy trunks. Oh, really? Of nice. Of course. Yeah, that nice. way you can just make a pee pee if you need to and people's like, "Oh, why they is They don't even notice. They
1: don't know." And you, so can't, you... you can't actually see, but he's wearing them right now. Yes. Oh, good. Good, good, just in case, right? Uh, you n- it's right. You never know. People I got
2: I got the legit Lederhosen from from a, a shop in in uh in um Munich. Oh, so. a, this is the only place. And let me tell you, this was not cheap, correct? No, it was like 300 bucks. And it's made from a dead deer and it looks awesome. So I, I thought it was what I needed to do.
0: Well, I will tell you, I'm relieved that the deer was dead.
2: <laughs> What's the, yeah, have, at least the deer was dead. Or yes. it's goat or deer, I can't remember. But, you know, it. Uh, I definitely, I like it. You know, my girlfriend, she's, she's a beautiful... Uh, woman from, from Southern Bavaria and she wears her dirndl and she looks so good. So I figured I
0: had to dress up and look the part. You have to do it. Listen, if there's a Cagney, someone needs to be lazy. So I'm exactly. very glad you're doing exactly. this. Uh, <laughs> side note, I love that you're wearing Le Dierhosen. Do you get yeah, it? Yeah, Le Dierhosen. Exactly. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. My father would love the joke and then
1: unsubscribe from boom time immediately. <laughs> so Nick, are you retired from the beer mile then as well? yeah I'm retired from from all running pretty much I, I still
2: run maybe half an hour a couple of days a week but after running about 10 miles a day for 20 years I think I, I got a lifetime worth of running in so I, I lift weights and I run a little to try not to get too fat but you now com- competing for me is over and in, in, in any form whether it's beer mile or 800 meter running I'm more into just mountain climbing and skiing and getting outdoors now than than
1: you know so, running ten miles a day i'm I'm kind of over that so he, yeah here's my big question to you when when your entire life for twenty years is geared towards training, training, making it to the Olympics, watching everything you eat, worried about recovery and all these things, how do you flip the switch and turn that off and, and reprogram your brain? Because you've just you've done that for like you said, so many years. Yeah. How, how... And that's
2: a great question. And A lot of athletes, you know, their careers will come to an end at an Olympic Games. So you go from basically focusing on this one thing for 10 or 20 years and you're at the very, very pinnacle of your career and then you wake up the next day and it's all over and a lot of athletes go through some really dark depressions. Um, I kind of always knew that I was going to, you know, age out of the sport and so at the age of 30, I actually started a business so I would have something to look forward to. And when I retired, I just kind of threw myself entirely into my business, which is a company called Rungum and it, it helped soften the blow I would say it gave me something to focus on and, and a source of income. but it still still was hard for me to say goodbye to running. I, I still you know have those dreams you know actual dreams where I wake up and you know I've, I've been running down the home stretch at, the, at an Olympic final and I'm like that close to winning the Olympic gold. so there's definitely a part of me that still misses it. But, uh, you know, I I think life kind of pushes you down the stream and you just have to go with it. So I was grateful to to run professionally for 12 years, but, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to doing some other things
1: now. It's funny you mentioned dreams because I last played baseball, like competitively in college, which was a long time ago for me. And I still have anxiety dreams about baseball. Oh, yeah. And it's just something that I think, unfortunately, I'm probably going to have the rest of my life because it was such a big part of my thought process for so many years. So... You know, I think it's interesting. You're, you'll probably likely have those sort of dreams and that's sort of thing forever, forever. Yeah. but you have to find ways to kind of deal with it. And, Fula, and I, you know, probably has I his own anxiety. I identify with that, man. Yeah.
2: I, I definitely still have the anxiety dreams where I sleep through the, the, the race right. or I get too drunk the night before and have a horrible race. So <laughs> those can be problems. Or, or
1: you're running the beer mile and you don't get drunk enough. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely.
0: That's a horrible, that's a nightmare right there. That's terrible. (laughs) Uh, You should know, Nick, that the German word for nightmare is Albtraum, which means Alps dream. I don't know why. Uh Ah, that's cool. I love the German language, man. Really? Do you have some phrases or words that uh, you you enjoy, uh, even if as you are just galloping in your dreams? No, but I was watching
2: one of your uh, YouTube videos the other day, and you had all of these great German phrases. Um, one was called what was it? A sh- hey. smile. Oh when, yeah. When an American's being fake to you, or someone oh, yes. being fake and just smiling at you. What was that one again? Yeah.
0: So it's uh, it's, uh, it's scheiß freundlich, uh, which yeah. means poop friendly. <laughs> <and friendly. laughs> poo friendly. I, love is, I love that I love that When as a child I would go to America And in the south you know Sometimes people are very nice But sometimes they are having terrible days But still with a big big smile Or asking Oh how are you? I feel great Would you like some tea? But they really <laughs> just want to poo poo in your face You know what I mean?
1: Oh yeah absolutely I know
0: exactly what you mean So,
1: so Nick your challenge is Next time you're with your girlfriend's uh, family You have to use Scheiß Freundlich in a conversation without them realizing that you're doing and it. And they'll just, know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Oh,
0: they will know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, Nick, so speaking of dreams, I had a follow-up. So when in my dreams, when I am running, I'm running as if I'm wearing like galoshes in a mud pile. Yeah. And I'm very slow. But as a man who is and was very fast, in your dreams, are you like super fast? How does it work for you in your
2: dreams? Sometimes you have a nightmare where you're in a race and you have like cement boots, and that, that's one of those anxiety dreams.
0: Is that when um, you are some- working with John Gotti? Like how?
2: Yeah, exactly. Gaudid. Exactly. Yeah. And then sometimes you have the dreams where you're just like floating along, and those are the ones that make you miss it. But I actually have the anxiety dreams more than the uh, more than the fun ones. So. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: So we are we are very similarity in this way at least.
2: I think a lot of ex athletes are. You know, there's a especially when you get to that level, man. It's just there's so much pressure. You know, when you step on the starting line of an Olympic final, there's a million dollars or more on the line there. So you, you just it's hard it's hard to wrap your mind around just how do or die that moment is. And they they fire the gun. And in my event, you have about a minute and forty some seconds to to get it done. And if it doesn't turn out the way you want, you have to wait four more years for another
0: shot at it. Yeah, that is crazy to me. I cannot imagine this pressure of having to, oh, like, oh, there's one time I've got to be really good. You know, other yeah. sports like, oh, I can miss a three-pointer 10 times. No, this is like one time, no. no false starting, perfect running times. You just have to gallop as quickly as possible and as effectively. In this one exactly. time, that is exactly. crazy. Tough.
1: Uh, yeah, actually, I would love to hear your thought process on that um, because you train for the Olympics, example, you know, for example, for four years or for your whole life. And you're building to this moment, building to this moment, doing everything perfectly. There's so much pressure on you. You get to the race, but then you also, I imagine, have to be relaxed. Like you have to find a way to be sort of zen about it all. How, you know, how do you how do you manage both things? Being prepared. Yeah. You know.
2: You know, I, I I can't speak for every athlete, but for me personally, I worked with a sports psychologist named Jeff Trosh, who's uh, out of the San Luis Obispo area. And we worked for almost a decade, and a lot of it was just what you say, just dealing with the the monumental pressure that comes from a moment like that. And a lot of what we tried to do is just remind ourselves, hey, this track is 400 meters around like every other track, and I've spent a heck of a lot of time on them, that nine times out of ten – on the bigger stage, I actually perform better. So a lot of it's just reminding yourself that the body—if you shut your mind off—the body's going to do what it what it naturally does. And I remember <clears throat> um, I took this this little nugget of wisdom from a guy named Kelly Sullivan, who's the one that recruited me to Willamette. And he said, for some reason, when you get to the big stage, the cream rises to the top. You know, the athletes that handle the pressure—they don't—they on, don't only perform you know, well in that situation, they actually perform much better because of the pressure. And once I embraced that thought that the pressure was going to help me perform even better than if I didn't have it, you know, then the nerves became like uh, something I looked forward to, like it was going to give me superhuman powers. And so when I got to that Olympic final in 2012... I was as nervous as I'd ever been. But instead of being anxious and frustrated over the nerves, I just tried to calm myself down and remind myself if I channel that energy, I'll do something bigger than I've ever done before. And I did. I actually ran almost a full second faster than I ever had in that Olympic final. Um, and that's just, you know, a lot of, of channeling that energy and using the, the power of the brain to uh, to rise to the occasion.
0: So that's still to date the fastest I ever ran was in the Olympic final in 2012. That's very sassy. And I'm incredibly jealous of you, Nick Simmons. Let me just say it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know, it was a great life. It was it was wonderful. And I think probably aside from the, the coolness of getting to run in an Olympic final, I got to visit 30 countries, you know, in my 20s. And, and all the travel was paid for. You know, Nike, my, my sponsor originally, and then Brooks Running and the meat directors picked up all my tickets. So I, I'd get free airfare and free hotel and free food. So I got to see a lot of the world. And, I, and as I look back on my career... Most of my great memories don't come from running. They come from hanging out with my friends uh, in foreign cities. So I felt like I was – and runners don't get paid real well. But when you add in all of that travel I got, I was living like a millionaire playboy, <laughs> bouncing around from Berlin to Monaco to Hey-o. London, you yeah. know, over to Asia. So it was, a, it was a pretty kick-ass way to spend your
0: 20s. Well, Nick, I have a very personal question for you then. Because yeah. of all this traveling, how thick is your passport?
2: Oh, how thick is my passport? Yeah, yeah. Man, you it don't have so to think. It's like the thickest one you'll ever see. Yeah. Because you can add pages. Is that oh, what are Oh, man, you're referring I've added to? so many pages. Yeah. I got the stamps from around the world. Yeah, I like <laughs> this.
0: Oh, boy, you heard it here first, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's got a thick passport. Um, speak, uh. sp- speaking of, you know, life, um, there was a Gallup poll that was taken, and it voted you the Brad Pitt of running. Can you expand on this, please? Yeah. You know, when, like I said, in
2: track and field, it's, it's, we kind of pop up in the spotlight once every four years and then everyone forgets about, about the runners until the next Olympics. So you kind of got to do something to cement yourself in in people's minds and differentiate yourself. And I actually hired a publicist based out of Beverly Hills. And you guys know the fast talking LA publicist down there, they come up with some really creative taglines. And so he dubbed me the Brad Pitt of track and field. And that kind of stuck with some people and
1: I think this. So, you was know, a- I,
2: I don't know. I, I don't think it's accurate, and certainly flattered by the comparison. But um, this guy was great. His name's Hal Lifson. He lives down in Beverly Hills, and and he was hugely helpful in me building my brand and building my career in my twenties.
1: This was around the same time. I think you famously went on a date with Paris Hilton.
2: Yeah, and that's another one of Hal's, Hal's great ideas. <laughs> and that, that was a pretty cool date to meet uh, Miss Paris Hilton there at. Uh, in Beverly Hills. And and I was nervous as hell, but it was a really cool couple hours to spend with her. It's like okay. track, and,
1: track and field athletes need any attention they can get. and
2: Yeah. And people would always call me self-promoting and I'm like, well, if I don't promote myself, it's not like anybody else is going to. So, yeah. you know, if you, if you think about it, a, a professional athlete, like a track and field runner is an entertainer. And if you're not entertaining, if you're not getting media, if you're not you know, putting that logo that whether it's a swoosh or whatever in, in front of people's eyeballs, you're not going to get paid real well. So I kind of recognized that from an early age, and I said, "Well, I'm just going to try to be the most entertaining guy on and off the track I can be, and then I'll get paid better." And I and ultimately I did. So I think it was it was a lot of work, and I, I had a lot of people helping me out doing that. Um, but uh, I built up a good brand, and ultimately parlayed that that brand, the Nick Simmons brand, into uh, into a successful consumer packaged good company. Um, took a lot of that goodwill and transferred it into RunGum.
0: Now, before we speak about RunGum, I'd have one question, Nick. Nick, if you are the Brad Pitt of track and field, who is the Paris Hilton of track and field? <laughs> well,
2: Flula, I'm going to drop some wisdom on you here. I was actually dating her um, at the time, a girl by the name of Maggie Vesey, um, beautiful, beautiful blonde, 800-meter runner. And some people had compared her to the Paris Hilton of track and field, and we were dating, so, you know, that's... Uh, that was kind of awkward when we broke up, and I went on a date with Paris Hilton. No, right? hey, oh,
0: that is weird. Yeah, you yeah. should you should not date the Paris Hilton of another industry. I think you have I, to one Paris Hilton at a time. No, there. man,
2: that's that's my type. I only date the Paris Hilton of that industry. And <laughs> oh, I just bounce okay. around from industry to industry.
0: Well, I I once dated the Anthony Hopkins of electric engineering. Just so you know, <laughs> isn't that you? Yeah, it's me. I dated myself. That's uh, awesome. Wait, Nick. So you are the founder of something called Run Gum, and what yeah. I love about this, I'm assuming that it has everything to do with runs and gums, but please tell me it's actually about uh squirt guns that children use in <laughs> Portugal.
2: That is a really interesting direction that you took that. Um no, so <laughs> run gum. I was I was getting all these energy drinks were sending me their products, <clears throat> you know, as you as you're an Olympian, they're all trying to get their products in front of people. And so I'm trying all these different energy drinks, and I love the way they made me feel like I got all this energy and focus. But then you've got this, like, 16-ounce liquid sloshing around in your stomach while you're trying to compete or, or, or train. And I thought, well, that's the last thing I want. I'm not thirsty. I literally just want the stimulants out of it. So I kind of I, I studied biochemistry at Willamette. I knew I could isolate those stimulants and then f- tried to find the best way to, to deliver them to the human system. And uh, I thought chewing gum would be great because then you can use sublingual absorption to get these stimulants really fast. So oh. – kind of the way that Nicorette uses chewing gum to deliver nicotine to the system immediately. We use chewing gum to deliver caffeine, taurine, and B vitamins to the system. So chemically, very similar to an energy drink, but you get all of those stimulants Oof. immediately into the bloodstream through sublingual absorption. Nick, and y- it you, just if, lights you up like a truck.
0: If you say sublingual absorption one more time, <laughs> I'm going to have to use the bathroom. That was... <laughs> I, I have to tell you, what I love is that you are combining these skills with your product. It reminds me of a legal, happy, and ex- exciting version of Walter White from Breaking Bad.
2: You know what it's so funny. I was just thinking like so I, when I travel now I've got, you know, tubs and tubs of this energy gum and it and it's all in like unmarked canisters and I'm like this looks exactly
0: like a like a compressed yeah. cocaine tablet or is something. Is it is it so, blue? Is the color of it blue and Yeah, that blue meth. Yes. Um, exactly can i be may i please be your german jesse pinkman my german jesse pinkman (laughs) is that acceptable it's sorry i just watched breaking bad the whole series once more and that was his uh dorky partner that was
2: aaron paul's uh, you know he's from he's from boise there you go what yeah another idaho connection
1: oh man all roads lead back to boise i love this very much Um, Okay, Nick. So a couple more things before we let you go. One thing that we like to do here on Boom Time is play a quick game of Name That Tune. And Flula has got a musical contraption here that he is going to create a German cover of a well-known song that I'm going to tell him in secret. And we're gonna see if you can guess it.
2: Okay, let me get a little bit more uh, sound in my headphones because I don't want I don't want to miss anything here.
1: Turn it up to eleven.
2: Don't miss a thing. <laughs> Just like Aerosmith. Yeah. Oh man, that drop. <laughs> that thing drops hard. I love it. A little Steve Aoki inspiration you there. Know it. Uh huh. Yes. I mean, I'm I'm in Ibiza right
0: now. <laughs> Wear some sunscreen, Nick. It's very important. Yeah, this is a hot beat, man. (laughs) Wow, am am I
2: on Molly right now?
0: (laughs) Nick, imagine. It's just you. And four other Caucasian men, probably, based on the film. Jogging shirtless, (laughs) (laughs) slowly, in the (laughs) sand. Oh my God. This is a party. (gasps) Yeah. Nick, did that help you? There's really no words to this song. It's just a very strange loopy song that's disturbing, but related to your
1: profession. Absolutely. I love it. Let me me interject here. (laughs) Quick interjection. I told Flula which song to play, and I don't. Necessarily recognize it.
2: Hmm. Interesting. So
1: it was a it was a very flula version. Should I do a more normal version? Yeah. Do a more straight across version.
0: Yeah, it's fresh. It's like nothing you ever heard before. <laughs> <laughs> Just say it. It's chariots of fire. I'm sorry, Nick. We we try to make it as fiery and charity as possible. (laughs) So fiery. So fiery. Uh, Nick, before we are both hanging up the phones and uh, using toilets and chewing gum, I have some questions for you. This is the final questions part of Boom Time, Nick. The rule is only, don't think, just spit it out the words. There's no wrong answer. There's only the answer that you say. And I'm going to give you a small, delicious beat as you go. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. First a beat. Nick Simmons. Name a movie you did enjoy as a child. Bambi. The first one or the third one? There's multiple Bambis. I have no idea. I just wanted to know. (laughs) Nick, what is your favorite style of yogurt? Yogurt? Yes. I like the Greek yogurt. Oh, me as well. Ibiza. Wrong country, sorry. (laughs) Nick, what is your least favorite color of all time? least favorite color yes brown oh yeah duty i agree big duty oh big, big duty. duty no big duty nope we don't do it <gasps> nick if you had to live the rest of your life as a species of pooch what would you choose i select poodles because they don't shed shoot man that's tough um Rhodesian ridgeback oh I
2: fight under, lions they're, yeah they're really good looking dogs
0: is that the new chevrolet automobile yeah, the Rhodesian Ridge. Doesn't <laughs> it sound like the 2019 Rhodesian Ridgeback? Now with the U- The Yukon, now called the Rhodesian Ridgeback. Exactly. Nick Simmons, do you prefer <laughs> or... <laughs> Honestly, the first one. I thought that was nice. I agree with you. I go here every time. Nick, <laughs> what quality do you most admire in the Seinfeld television series? I love George Costanza because he's always running around and screaming strange words.
2: Yeah, I think George is definitely the best character. I agree, um, and I liked. What was the the follow up? The guy that was based on um, Curb Your Enthusiasm.
0: Oh, Larry David. Yeah, he's amazing. I agree with this. Nick Simmons. Who is your favorite Idaho athlete of all the times? Peekaboo Street. <gasps> Stop the phones. Peek-a-boo. Alex, Do you remember Peekaboo? Oh yeah,
2: legend. Ski, legend. Nasty yeah. skier,
0: just nasty in all the slopes. Oh yeah. What I love is that it was pronounced Peekaboo, but if you look at it like in the words, it's Bao? Peekabow. Peekabow. peek-a-bow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Simmons, a final question: What desert tastes better to you than Mojave? Ooh, wow, that's a tough one. Um, the Gobi just the sounds nice, that. right? That
2: Gobi desert, just so juicy.
0: I just want some Gobi berries all over my Greek yogurt. Exactly, that's how Gobi I Gobi
2: berries in your go in your dessert. Oh, I love this.
0: Nick Simmons, thank you so very much, and for being a guest on Boom Time with us. Fully, you're the man. I love Pitch Perfect too. Oh, me too. Why did you say that? That's so random. <laughs> das Sound Machine oh, made the whole movie. Oh, hello. We, you know they should they should have won. It's very clear. Spe- oh yeah of course it's like the 1972 <laughs> men's basketball team seriously yeah, Russia you, really <laughs> you guys brought it I love that I very much appreciate this Nick Simmons have a very nice day please say hello to
1: all the humans and also I want to say make sure to listen to Nick's own podcast it's called Run the day which you started recently and yeah uh, we did thanks for thanks for plugging that it's
2: fun we get a lot of you know celebrities and and CEOs and and Olympians that come on the podcast. I've, ne- you know, as as a pro athlete, I pretty much just got my workout and then laid around all day. And I, as a now working American, I'm just astounded at how hard Americans work. So, on Run the Day, we interview busy Americans and see how they're get they're getting so much accomplished in just you know 16 waking hours. Um, and it's a lot of life hacks and and just how successful people become successful. So, Run the Day with Nick Simmons. You can find it on uh, iTunes and Stitcher and wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So grab some run gum. Chug a beer, run a beer mile, and yeah, pop in your to the earbuds. Podcast. Yeah. yeah, it's a good lifestyle, right? <laughs> I love this very much. Dude, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, uh, it's been uh, fun to finally get to uh, to chat with you, and uh, kudos to your amazing career and the next step. Uh, we're excited to hear more of what you're up to. So thanks Thank again. you, guys.
2: And Alex, I got one last question for you. Do you still have a 208 number?
1: No, I uh, I lost it a long time ago. Oh, that's sad, man. I'm still rocking the 208. You know, it's funny when I when I moved to LA, I was convinced that uh, it would hurt me in my career if I was seen as like a guy from Idaho. So, who's I, this hick with the 208 number calling me? Exactly. So, but in in hindsight, I, I I really wish I still had the 208 and the famous potatoes license plate. But oh yeah, but well, you can just get the tattoo instead. Well, I, I will a tell big you. Back
0: piece. Well, Nick, I will tell you. He has a two on the left side of his cheek and eight on the other. And then when he makes an O face, oh. he's just representing <laughs> Idaho so hot. I love it. Thank you very much, Nick. Have a very nice, delicious day in Oregon. All right, guys. Thanks for your time. Thanks, you well. Nick. Thanks. Bye, bye. Jogging, jogging, jogging. Ran. Jogging, jogging, ran. jogging. jogging. Sprint. Oh wow! What another delicious episode of Boom Time, Alex Simmons? How was it to speak with another
1: Simmons? It was. It was excellent. There's not that many Simmons from Idaho, even though we spell our names differently. It's a small club. What's a persimmon? That's a fruit. Oh, I thought it was like a
0: mathematical equation of like how many Simmons in Idaho. Well, there's five persimmons.
1: It is also that now, I guess. Cool. <laughs> Update us, Wikipedia. Have you? Uh, the persimmons is a delicious fruit. It's a fruit. Persimmon. Is it, oh. It's delicious. I think it's an underrated fruit.
0: Are you saying this because your name is inside it? Like yeah. if there was like a flula fruit,
1: I would be like, that's really delicious, the flula fruit. Yeah, I'm definitely partial, but it's, I also will stand by my statement that it's a delicious fruit. Okay. Stand there. Um, great to talk to Nick. Uh, appreciated him calling in and, uh, when, I mean, you don't get a chance to talk to Olympic athletes very often.
0: You don't get a chance to speak to the Brad Pitt of anything very often. Not so very often. to speak with a Brad Pitt of track and field is a big deal.
1: I agree. How did I do with my gallops? You did pretty well. How many did he get? He had three. Uh, he had three. Okay, so there's there's a little debate about this. Okay. Because you had three. Okay. But the third one was a different word. It was a. Homonym. Kristen, uh, producer Acevedo Kristen, mm-hmm. tell to what happened.
2: So the third gallop yeah. was a gallop poll. Oh, I like it. Spelled G-A-L-L-U-P. U-P.
0: Yeah, okay.
2: Galloping, yeah. like the verb, G-A-L-L-O-P.
0: Did someone spell it when they said, hey, Flula, you need to say gallop? <laughs> was there like a spelling bee champion here?
1: Steve, the announcer is back. Oh, God. <laughs> Steve. Do you really hate Steve? And Steve, after that? Is, Steve no, it, I, I just did that and Flula made the face as though I had just grabbed a baseball bat and hit him in the crotch. is like it, you you, you, it, you, had a vile response you, to it, me doing that voice. It really, honestly, it bothers you that much? Your
0: whole body looks like you're going to like make out with the microphone and you start like a weird like shimmy towards the mic as you say it. And so it's a little creepy. I'm sorry.
1: Well, okay. Steve's leaving now. No, leave Steve. No, no, he's leaving. Stay Steve. Let's no, not leave okay. Steve. As him leaving on a horse. <laughs> he, galloped he galloped away. away. Oh, nice. <laughs> now I see a callback. I got it. There's um, four. I think that I am going to not only allow the huh. third use, but celebrate the third use for its creativity. Thank you. And I think in future episodes, feel free to use homonyms oh. to harmonize oh. uh, <laughs> as much as you like.
0: I like that. Just like I like my yogurt. Harmonized. Greek.
1: Oh. What? Greek, yes. Um. Did, and did we have any footnotes in addition oh. to the questionable use of Gallup?
2: I had one footnote.
1: Oh, single. Which is
2: something that you actually taught me, Flula.
0: Oh, what is it? I told you?
2: Yes. Oh, what did I say? So Nick Simmons was talking about Oktoberfest.
0: Yes. And ah. how
2: it's presently Oktoberfest in October.
0: Yeah. This is confusing. Sure I...
2: Please explain.
0: So Oktoberfest is called Oktoberfest. Is it in October? Yeah, a little bit, but it starts in September and many times it is more in September than in October. How strange, right? So strange. I wrote a song about it. It's called Oktoberfest is in September. Let's hear it. Oktoberfest is in September. This is what you must remember. Oktoberfest is in September. This is what you must remember.
1: Oktoberfest
0: is in September. This is what you must remember.
1: Oktoberfest
0: is in September. This is what you must remember. Wow, now was that not a banger? Move over Kendrick and
1: move someone move. I love how like you're, what you're saying is Oktoberfest is in September. Yes. Mostly. Mostly. starts <laughs> Primarily. Well, yes. But people get this wrong all the time. Oktoberfest is in September. Primarily. Okay, so Alex, <laughs> let us
0: say you are a person from, I don't know, Boston, Massachusetts. And you're like, I would love to go to Oktoberfest. Let yeah. me book a ticket in like October 12th. Guess what occurs in Munich on October
1: 12th? The end of Oktoberfest? No, it is finished. Okay. They're just
0: like, like a fruit stand.
1: Yeah. The people are eating persimmons. Right. And they're like, oh, that was a great Oktoberfest that ended this morning. Yeah. Welcome a Boston Celtics fan who was late. <laughs> From Boston. Yeah. yeah.
0: Because of the boss said that.
1: Yeah. I said it. Was yeah. call, Kevin Garnett. Callback. The
0: big ticket.
1: Yeah. yeah. Hey, Kevin Garnett, if you're listening and you're about to get on Hotwire and book your ticket to Oktoberfest on October 12th, just stop. stop Unless it. you really want to just eat persimmon. That's Correct. Yeah. for Just, That was a shout out to Kevin Garnett, who I know is a big fan of Boomtime. Time. Flula, what else do you got to say on this episode?
0: I am so excited for everyone that is listening to Boomtime. Time. Hey, guys, do you have a question that you would like me to answer? I'm saying it like that because there's a W and Germans say all the letters. Please call us at gaga4flula. That's G-A-G-A, the number four, and then my name Flula, F-L-U-L-A. Leave a voicemail. Perhaps we will play it and answer your delicious question on the ears. Do you say it like this? On the ears,
1: Yeah, perfectly. Yep. Steve, the announcer, would probably say Please, no, Steve. Steve killed him. No, Steve is making a pee-pee. Yeah.
0: Everybody else, please, thank you for listening. And do not forget to rate and comment and subscribe to Boom Time on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever that your ears are listening to podcasts. Follow us on at Boom Time Show on all the other places. But mainly, guys, please just subscribe. Give us a comment and a rating, you know. Not like rated or, or PG, like a, like a stores, like it's like a lift. And we have just driven you to a fun place like Euro Disney. We should probably
1: stop now. Okay. I, I, you haven't taken a breath in two minutes. I did not. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, everyone, uh, thank you to Cadence. Thank you to uh, our delicious sound uh, engineer, Kevin, our wonderful producer, Kristen. Uh, one of the Simmonses today, Alex. Are you eating
1: Kevin's arm this time? I thought we talked about don't eat the producers of the show. Mm, but his femur is so oh, it's wrong. That's a leg. Oops. Yeah. You can. Okay, we should stop. Boom time! <laughs>